and that we can love each other well. They know we are Christians by our love, and we should love each other as you loved us. We thank you for the gift that you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen. I serve on the ESOL team. I've been doing that for almost two years now, and I see people modeling unconditional love on a weekly basis. We have so many volunteers from the church come in, and it is a big production on Thursday nights to put on eight different levels of English classes, to care for 40 children in the childcare, to transport a lot of students to and from class, to provide meals for the children and snacks for the adults, uh, and to do all of this expecting nothing in return. Um, I see every volunteer loving in a very selfless way when they come and volunteer with ESOL on Thursday nights. And I know that the people, the students that come feel that love. That example reflects God's love for us because I think when we realize what Christ gave up to come and rescue us, Philippians 2 says that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. And he did this out of obedience to the Father who loved us enough to carry out this plan. And so when I see people sacrificing their time and their talents on Thursday nights to come and give so selflessly to the ESOL mission, I think that that absolutely reflects the sacrifices that Christ made for us. Amen. Good stuff, huh, Coastal Church? Hey, it's great to see you this morning, and um, I'll tell you what, I'm excited to be here. I, it's been a long time since I've only preached one sermon and not three, and so I'm a little nervous, actually, because usually at the Yorktown campus, the 8 o'clock is where I make all my mistakes, uh, and then the 9.30 is just better. So you're only getting the one take this morning. I'm super nervous, but I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm excited about what God's doing at Coastal Deer Park, aren't you? Um, ESOL class, I got to visit a couple weeks ago, I came down here and, uh, you know, there's almost, I think we've added two more nations that are now coming to the ESOL class, I think we're up to 16 or 18 different nations attending this campus uh, on Thursday night, being ministered to by you, and uh, when I think about the Great Commission of God, they were to take the the, the gospel of Jesus to every tribe, tongue, and nation. There's 16 or 18 nations coming right here uh, on Thursday night that we get to minister to. So thank you for opening your hearts and your building uh, to, to minister through SOS. I got to come up here on Friday and I saw the homeschool group that meets here. And I got to watch some kids being educated and the things that are happening here on Friday afternoon or Friday mornings. Incredible. And uh, just really, really grateful. The prayer service we just launched, which is tonight, 4 o'clock, right? 4 o'clock. And uh, last first one was attended by just under 100 people, 175, maybe more came. And so, uh, man, way to go. Super excited about that. I don't know if you guys know this, but behind the scenes, uh, we're still doing the legal pieces of merging the two church bodies together. And so, Lord willing, that's going to be finalized this week. And so, thank you, Mr. Bobby and Mr. Robert and Mr. Dennis for finishing that stuff up and giving attention. I know that takes time, right? And so, thank you for doing that. And, And I think we're on the 
final leg of the lawyering stuff. And so be praying about that, and we'll, Lord willing, we'll finish that uh, this week. And so uh, this morning, we want to talk about love. And, uh, and actually, Pastor Joe, I think we're just doing one week of love, and then next week is uh, accountability. And uh, we're going to be finishing up our core series, and then in November, we're going to do a couple psalms uh, to prepare our hearts for Thanksgiving. And so that's coming up. And so our core value of love, ready, is this, uh, that we want to do the most loving thing because people matter to God and because God is love. And so uh, that's our core value at Coastal, and we try to live in that core value. And so uh, we want to do the most loving thing. Why? Because people matter to God. You matter to God. Everybody that walks in this, in this building matters to God. The 100 plus people coming to our ESOL class that don't know the Lord, many of them, they matter to God. And so because they matter to God, they, they matter to us. And God is love. And so this morning, here's what I need you to do. Open your Bible to 1 John 4, verse 8. I'm actually going to skip around. Today's a little bit, which I don't do very often when I preach, uh, but today's a little bit of what I might call a biblical theology or even a systematic theology. And uh, we're going to look and we're going to kind of build on this idea that God is love. And then that means we are a people that both love God as believers and we love one another. And, and in fact, there's a, couple, um, there's a couple God is statements in the Bible, right? And you probably know some of them. God, God is light, right? And talk, speaks to us about his purity. Um, God is, you ready for this one? God is a consuming fire, uh, which reminds us that he's holy and he's unlike us. And, and, and the fact that we get to approach him in Christ is an incredible truth. This morning we're going to start with John 4. God is love, okay? And that's your first point this morning, God is love. And uh, I don't have my little TV monitors. I got, I've gotten used to those, actually. So I don't know if you're seeing it on the screen or not. Joey, that clock is big enough, though. I've heard, you, I've heard people say, you said you can't see that clock. Whatever. You can see that just fine. You know exactly how much time you have. God, God is a consuming fire, Joey. Tell the truth. So, um, just saying. I can see that clock just fine. All right. God is love. Yeah, this is different. God is love. All right. First John 4, verse 7 and 8. First John 4, verse 7 and 8. The Apostle John writes this, he says, Beloved, ready, let us love one another. Why do we love one another? For love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. Listen, as Christians of all people, who know the Lord and know how much we have been loved, and we're going to talk about how much we've been loved in the gospel in just a moment, but, but we of all people need to be people of love and love for one another. And in fact, we are, uh, as people, all people, we're, we're worshipers. It's not a matter of, of if we're worshipers, it's a matter of what we worship, right? Unbelievers are going to worship idols and uh, it could be the idol of self, it could be the idol of materialism, it could be the idol of hedonism. We could go through all kinds of idols that, that people worship, but I'm really a believer that, that you become like the God that you worship. Uh, 
If you're worshiping a false god and your false god doesn't see and doesn't hear, you're going to become tone deaf to the truths of God and the Spirit of God. If, if the, the idol that you worship is angry, you're going to become angry. But the object of the worship of a Christian is the true and living God. And the true and living God has told us, man, He is what? He's loving. And so if we're becoming like the God that we worship, guess what? We are going to grow in our love, not only for God, but our love for one another. And so of all people on earth, it should be loving. It should be believers. It should be followers of Christ. And in fact, honestly, the rest of my sermon is going to target believers this morning. If you're here this morning, you're not yet a Christian, I want to encourage you. Uh, and we're going to talk about the gospel in a moment to repent of your sin and, and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ because without that, you're worshiping a false god. You're worshiping an idol. And your idol, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You're, you're on the path to death. And, and the most loving thing we can give you at Coastal Community Church Deer Park is to be on the path of life, which is knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're starting with 1 John 4. I told you I'm going to flip around, all right? So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 this morning, and I'm going to, I'm going to be going to two more passages, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to be reminded that the, the reason we can love is because we have been loved in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Christ, uh, we are loved infinitely, and look at this, we are loved eternally. In fact, we're going to talk about the doctrine of justification this morning. I think a lot of this series has been, been focused on the doctrine of sanctification, but I want to park for a minute in the doctrine of justification. It, it, it hopefully will wow you it will hopefully leave your heart more open and overflowing in worship to, to the God of the Bible and to the person and work of Christ. But point number two, man, you are loved in Christ. You are loved in Christ. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, he says, What shall we say about such things? Now, let me pause here because I'm not going to go backwards in Romans 8, but what is Paul talking about when he says these things? He's talking about being brought into the family of God by the Spirit of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God in his foreknowledge and God in his election, he has loved you in Christ before the foundations of the world and the Holy Spirit has regenerated you and has allowed you to respond in repentance and faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And because of that, because you're in Christ here this morning, oh Christian, because of that, you are now loved in Christ infinitely in a Eternally, and there's nothing that you could ever do that would separate you from the love of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Man, that should cause us to overflow with worship. And so he says, what shall we say then to these things, Paul says, if God is for us, he asks a rhetorical question, right? Who can what, church, be against us? And what's the answer? Man, no one and nothing this God, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This is a, Paul here is doing a greater to the lesser argument. Here's what Paul's saying in Romans 8. He's saying, God has already given you his very, very best. Since he's given us his very, very best, guess what, church? He's not holding out on us, right? 
Like maybe you had a tough week financially, right? Maybe you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to make ends meet by the end of the week. Maybe you will, maybe you won't, but I do know this. God is going to provide for you. How do I know that? He's already given you his very best. And Jesus taught us that God cares about every little bird that flies on the planet. So if he cares about every little bird, like you, Scott, I know you care about the birds, right? So if he care about the birds, right, he certainly cares about us. Yes, church? It's the lesser to the greater. And my body's wearing, maybe you're here this morning, my body's wearing, I'm in a lot of pain, you know. As we grow older, it gets more difficult. Well, guess what? God's either going to give us sustaining grace or he's going to see us all the way home to heaven, right? He has given us his very greatest, so he's not holding out on us. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Verse 33, who shall bring it a charge against the elect? It is God who justifies. Listen, some of you this morning as believers, you're bringing a charge against yourself. You're, man, you're like, Pastor Sean, you don't know what I did this week. When you talk about being infinitely loved by God and eternally loved by God in Christ, and, and you're going to say, you don't, Pastor Sean, you don't know what I looked at on the internet this week. And you're, you're bringing that charge against you. You don't understand, Pastor Sean, the tone that I spoke with my spouse where I denigrated the image of God in someone else by speaking harshly. I, you know, I was angry this week, and you're bringing these charges of sins against yourself, and I want to encourage you that if you have repented of sin and you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven of this week, of the past, of the future. In Christ, you are loved infinitely and eternally. Who brings a charge against the elect? No one. Why? Because it's been paid for by Christ. Revelation 12 tells us that even Satan, the accuser of the brethren, he, he's going to accuse you before God, and we're going to see what God has provided for us in Christ in verse 34 and verse 35, verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. And by the way, you want to know what Jesus is doing right now? Who is indeed is interceding for us. Jesus is praying you home all the way to glory. He's interceding on your behalf. So when Satan comes and says, God, you're holy, you're a consuming fire, you're just, you're a God who's going to bring wrath on sin, Jesus is interceding for you, saying to the, reminding the Father, not that the Father has forgotten, but he's reminding the Father, I bought that one with my blood. Paid for, elect, saved, in Christ in the family, loved, all the way home. Christ, man, I'm so grateful for this because I am a mess up, right? I am still in process. My sanctification has not been complete in glorification. I still sin, and I am so thankful for the doctrine of justification. It reminds me that I have been declared righteous, amen? It's a declaration of God Almighty because I'm in Christ. Who is to condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised from the bed, right hand, he's interceding for us. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. Verse 37, no, in all these things, guess what? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am sure that 
neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor anything else in all of creation will separate us from the love of God in, this is very important, in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we are in Christ, when we repent of our sins, when we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, he raised again, he ascended into heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and interceding for us. When we are in Christ, we are declared righteous, and Jesus is praying us home, and we are incredibly, eternally, and infinitely loved by God in Christ, and church, no one can separate us from the love of God. Does that encourage you this morning? Man, encourage me. That's why I'm so excited, man. I, I was like bursting this morning as I was contemplating, meditating on how much I am loved by God in Christ, and even my own sin doesn't separate me from the love of God in Christ. And that encourages me. Now, that's not, that's not license to go sin. And if that's what you heard this morning, you are not contemplating on the cost of your bought righteousness, right? It's not license to sin, but man, it is freedom to worship because I think about, man, how much God has loved me in Christ. And so Paul says, so what? What can separate us from the love of God? Tribulation, these are some of your blanks, I think. Tribulation doesn't separate us. That's when we're squeezed, distress. Number two, when we're helplessly hemmed in. Are these in my thing? Yeah, okay, good. Uh, distress, when we're helplessly hemmed in. Persecution. Number three, when we're suffering because we're Christians. Number four, famine and nakedness, which is kind of the idea of the lack of life's basic needs of food and clothing and shelter. Peril means when we're facing death. None of these things separate us from the love of Christ. And in fact, Paul says in verse 37 that we're super conquerors. That's not letter B. We're super conquerors. We're, we're empowered and we're sustained by the, resur by the risen Savior and the Holy Spirit now indwells us and we are able to ask ourselves, no matter what the circumstances, what's the worst that can happen to me? in Christ. I guess the worst that can happen to me is either I suffer here on earth or even I die, and even in that, the love of God sustains us through all things. I am not forgotten. I am not forsaken. I am not neglected, and therefore I can endure. I can suffer well. I can age well. I can know contentment, and above all, and this is the main point this morning, man, I can love others because I have been deeply and intimately loved by God in Christ. Because in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the God of love lives inside of me. And the God of love lives inside of each and every one of you if you're here this morning and you're in Christ. And so Paul reiterates one more time. He says, man, we can be confident and we can be sure Letter C, we can be confident and we can be sure because of verse 38 and 39, because he says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I remember probably about, uh, I don't know, nine or ten years ago now, I was, um, I was really fatigued as a pastor. I had, um, I was actually contemplating quitting. Uh, I don't know if 
any of our pastors have ever gotten there, uh, but I, I had gotten there, and um, I had, and some of this will speak to how I'm going to conclude today, I had just finished merging two churches. Coastal Community Church got its start by merging two churches together. You guys feeling any of that? All right, I've been there, all right, and I'm going to speak to that in a moment. Um, we had, we were a mobile church. I had spent years setting up and tearing down with teams and building teams. It was just absolutely exhausting. I know you guys remember some of that, the Hazels, you remember some of that, there's probably some others here I'm forgetting, but, uh, I was really, really tired. In the meantime, my brother, uh, was doing a sales job up in Baltimore and he was, him and I have a good relationship and he was telling me the stupid money he was making selling. He's like, why don't you come on up here, man? I'll train you. And uh, I was like, man, really? And I was really trying to figure it out. And I remember, and I'm not a raving charismatic, okay, but I, I remember um, taking my daughter for a walk and just praying. And, and she was really little, so it, talks about, it tells you how long ago it was. But I remember the Lord speaking to me. And it, again, I didn't hear an audible voice. I'm not getting weird, not extra biblical. I just remember the Lord reminding me, maybe that's a better word, I remember the Lord reminding me that He loves me no matter what. He loved me no matter what. And I remember, I don't know why that was fresh and new to me uh, as a pastor, but, but I began to weep as I'm walking my daughter, I'm weeping, and it was, it was like the Spirit of God was saying, I don't care what you do, I don't care if you're a salesman or a pastor or a stockbroker, like, it doesn't matter what the world tells you you should or it should be, it doesn't matter if the world defines success, you are loved in Christ, I love you no matter what, and suddenly in that moment I just had this freedom to continue pastoring, right, and I was like, you know what, I think I'm just going to keep doing this because, you know, sometimes it gets hard and, and, and I'm going to persevere, and and I never in my wildest dreams did I think that Coastal, by God's grace, would be allowed to have the influence that it would have in this community. I'm shy, and I'm really, and Pastor Joey made the announcement about the churches in Thailand, even around, guys, you are helping to plant hundreds of churches in a, in a, in a, in a, in a country that has almost no churches. Like, you are a part of that, and and I get to be a part of it. And I was just, it just reminded me, man, I could be confident and sure no matter what I did, didn't matter what I did on earth, as long as I did it with integrity and character and to honor the Lord. And it was all grounded in the idea, man, God loved me in Christ no matter what. And so, number three, because we are loved, we love. Because we are loved, we love. Christians have no excuse not to love one another. Christians have no excuse not to love one another. Matthew 22, the great commandment, many of you know Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God, how church, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he said, this is the first, this is the great and first commandment. And then Jesus, like he can't separate the two in his own thinking. He says, and the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Talking about the Old Testament, right? How many times have you heard people say, well, the Old Testament, man, it's like God was harsh in the Old Testament. I mean, you want to know, the most loving thing God could do for us was reveal His character to us. That's the Old Testament. And we don't, until we know His character, we don't know our need for salvation, 
The Old Testament is full of God's love. That's how Jesus read the Old Testament, right? And so God is love and closely connected as we love others. We can't, verse John, and we saw this in verse chapter 4, but all through 1 John, if you read 1 John, you, you can't say that you love God and not love others, right? Uh, my dog, um, well, I love my dog. You're lucky I didn't bring pictures of him today. Um, he, uh, Pastor Andrew actually bought his brother, and uh, so it had been a, almost uh, six or eight months they hadn't seen each other, so they're brothers, right? And I remember we got them together, like, hey, let's get our dogs together for a play date. I know that's super weird, okay? Um, but as the kids are moving out, you're like, oh, I got to love something. So, uh, you know, so I love my dog. And we, and we got our dogs together, and my dog immediately attacked Pastor Andrew's dog. And I'm like, that's your brother! This means you don't love God, you know? I don't know if you're going to be in heaven now, you know? And so I was so distraught. And, but, but we do that to one another, don't we? We do that to one another. Man, that person gets on my nerves. I can't get along with that person. And the God of heaven says, man, I've bought both of you with the blood of Christ. We can't say that we love God and not love one another. In fact, Jesus said all the Old Testament hinges on this idea of love, right? And so now my final point this morning, I'm going to give you guys some practical wisdom. And I want you to flip over with me to Romans chapter 12. And um, Romans chapter 12. There's a lot of places I can go for practical wisdom. And I want to talk about our core value so hopefully, hopefully you're understanding that the core value of love is an overflow of the character of our God, being known in Christ, worshiping God in Christ. And so the overflow of that is, is these very practical touches. And um, the book of Romans uh, is probably the most theological book of the New Testament where the Apostle Paul really takes his time to detail the gospel for us. So we have a really good understanding of the outworking of the gospel. And, and, and what's fascinating is the back end of the letter um, is really practical. So if you're in Christ, this would be the gospel touches. This is how the gospel touches our ordinary life. Chapter 12, it talks about how it touches our, our church body life. Chapter 13 talks about how we how, we, how it touches our response to the government, actually. And, and at the end of the letter is actually a fundraising letter. He's like, hey, I need to, you guys need to send me on mission now. And he's raising funds, which a lot of people don't want to hear that, but that's true, okay? And so, and so the, the core value of Coastal, do them, doing the most loving thing because people matter to God and because God is love. Romans 12, here's the gospel touches. Look at verse 9 of Romans 12. Let... Love be what, church? Genuine, right? Depends on your translation, but let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Let me say that again, and that's really good. Outdo one another in showing honor. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that kind of church, right? Where people are walking around honoring each other. 
man, here's where I see your gifting and it ministers to me and just thank, I'm praising God for how he's gifted you and the talents he's given you, man, thank you so much. And in return, you're like, no, but I remember when you served me in this way, we served one another with your gifting and with your passion. I'm just so grateful you're a part of this church. We, we begin to honor one another and we're outdoing, it's like a contest, right? Who can outdo one another? And of course, verse nine makes it clear that this isn't hypocrisy. It needs to be genuine. But can you imagine if, Instead of nitpicking it at one another, we begin to see one another as a gift to the body of Christ. Every single one of you that calls this your home church, it's important that you're here. It's important that you use your gifts, and it's important that we recognize it in one another. We go, man, I just want to outdo you with honor. I'm so glad you're part of this body. Verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Listen, by the way, when we're upset at someone, what do we begin to think about? How can I get back? What does the scripture say? Don't repay evil and instead give thought to doing what's honorable. It's a change in the way we think. If possible, verse 18, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably of all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what should we do, church? Feed him. If he's thirsty, what do we do? We give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what, church? With good. Boy, what a beautiful passage that if we as a church would meditate on, right? A couple points. Genuine love. Letter A. Genuine love. This is loving without hypocrisy. This is loving without expecting anything in return. That's what I, I love the... Uh, um, our core value video this morning. That's why I moved it in the service because uh, Sarah did a great job of reminding us, right, that, man, this ESOL class is a ministry to our community that we're loving without expecting anything in return. Of course, we're hoping to invest the gospel. That's, that's the goal, but, but that's up to the Lord. It's our job to love unconditionally, right? 1 Corinthians 13. Well, if I were to say 1 Corinthians 13, what comes to mind? Love, right? What else comes to mind? Weddings, yes, it's a wedding passage. Did you know 1 Corinthians 13 is not a wedding passage? The Apostle Paul didn't write it and say, hey, say this at weddings, okay? It's a body life passage. It's a church body life passage. That It's, it's sandwiched between you're the body of Christ and your giftings don't matter if you don't love one another, right? And so in between this is body life, and gifting, and none of it matters. Look what the apostle says in 1 Corinthians 13. We'll start in verse chapter 12. He's talking about gifting. He says, but earnestly desire higher gifts. But a man, more than gifting, I will show you a more excellent way. Verse 1 of chapter 13, if you speak with the tongues of men and angels, but you don't have love, you're nothing. You're just a clanging gong. You're making useless noises.
And if you have prophetic powers and you understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if you have all faith just to remove mountains, but you don't have love, church, guess what you have? Nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, what have I gained? This is weighty. And I get it. I'm going to talk like the old man I am, okay? Aging's no fun, right? Older folks, you're like, you look in the mirror, you're like, who's that old guy? Like, he used to be... Listen, I've blended two churches together. I've done that. And I'm going to tell you something. It won't work without love. Because love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. But it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things. Love starts in the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12 says genuine love, and he later defines it for us in Corinthians 13. This isn't just a marriage passage, it's a body life passage. Let her be a church family that honors each other. Verse 10, outdo one another in showing honor. One of the things that I, when I do premarital counseling... I always tell the couple that are getting married, hey, you're, you're marrying the entire family. So you know that weird uncle? It's now part of your family, all right? And, and in church life, we're a family. And in a family, every family has a couple EGRs, okay? If you don't know what an EGR is, an EGR is an extra grace required person, all right? And, and I hope you're in a small group. Every small group has an EGR, right? And they just take extra time, talent, and treasure, all right, to be around because they're an EGR. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, man, I'm in a small group and I don't think we have an EGR. <laughs> Could be you, all right? And we're glad you're here. I'm, like thrilled you're here, right? Listen, like we got to honor one another. All of us require a little extra grace from time to time because all of us are sinners, and we're going to sin, and I'm going to hurt your feeling, Pastor Joey's going to hurt your feelings, and Pastor Randy's going to hurt your feelings, and we're just, we're, look, we're, all these men that are leading your church are godly men, or Timothy 3 men, but they're not perfect, right? And so we all require extra grace. Paul says, verse 13, to show hospitality, right? He's talking about time, talent, and treasure, using your time, talent, and treasure. I, I remember a couple of years ago, I was preaching at Yorktown campus, and I was talking about the previous day and the story. I was helping somebody move, and, uh, and af- afterwards, this young guy comes up to me, and he goes, Pastor Sean, do you, do you really help people move? Nope, I sure don't, and so... Uh, I said, no, I, actually, I just helped that person move because they're in my small group. I said, you need help moving? Yeah. I said, great. What you, ask your small group. Guess what he told me? Not in a small group. Listen, a small group, listen, this church is already bigger than you know everybody in the room. Already. We just got started, right? And so you have to be in a small group so that you can love one another with hospitality. 
Paul says that we bless those that, we, that persecute us. We rejoice with those who rejoice. Verse 15, uh, we weep with those who weep. This is the idea of can you celebrate with someone that got something that you wanted but you didn't get? be the car, the house, could be getting pregnant. There's all kinds of things. We have to ask ourselves, can I rejoice with those that rejoice? And can I weep with those who weep? And by the way, to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep means we don't come to our corporate worship service with blinders on and say, man, it's all about me. Man, I hope I get something this morning. No, it's taking the blinders off and saying, man, I'm looking around the room and saying, man, how can I minister to the body of Christ as we gather together corporately? Letter F, Paul says, work hard, verses 16 to 18, to be in harmony with one another. The church is to be a peaceable place where we come to serve and not come to fuss with one another. And I'm like, I'm turning into Pastor Joey, I'm ignoring that blue clock too. Okay, so um, I can't see it. You're right, I can't see that clock back there, Pastor Joey. So, uh, no, I'm almost done here, I'm almost done. Okay, so I want to address Deer Park for a minute, all right, Coastal Deer Park. Um, this is a unique thing happening here. What, what you're doing here is not the norm in church life. Churches don't come together for the good of the gospel. Churches tend to do what? Split apart, right? Now there's a healthy division sometimes where you send, it's intentional. Most churches split apart. I want to talk to you about as the old guy for a minute, okay? Because I've done the bring two churches together. And um, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's hard work. It's really hard work. There's going to be times where you are going to have to have an extra cup of coffee. You're going to have to carve out some calendar time to, to keep the unity and keep the love and keep the bond of peace. I love Ephesians 4, 3 in the, in the NLT. I love the NLT tra- translation where it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And what I love about that is the word effort. You, you would think peace and unity should be easy, all right? No, it takes effort. And by the way, when Coastal got its start and two churches blended together, you know how those churches voted? Unanimously. And I'm sitting in a building with two churches that, guess what, did what? They voted what? And then you vote unanimously, and all of a sudden you're like, man, this is hard. <laughs> I thought because we voted unanimously it was supposed to be what? Easy. No, it's, it's going to take effort. Listen, this is where you, you're parking you and your family. God has given you an opportunity to learn to love the way you've been loved. And so when we got our start, Coastal got his start, there's a pastor that I pastored with. I, doubt, I don't know if anybody in this room remembers him, but his name was Pastor Derek Evett. He's actually a uh, church plant sent out by, uh, by Deer Park. Um, and their church grew to about 100. Our church, the church I was pastoring was about 100, and we blended together. And, and, and for that church to work well, it started with me and Pastor Derek loving one another. And we both had our faults. And so here's my challenge, Pastor Joey and Pastor Randy, two got to love one another. Amen? All right, got to love one. You're different. You're very different. And I get how it works because I've done it. And by the way, if you're doing this, you're not helping the cause, all right? But if you're doing this, here's how it works. 
somebody runs to Pastor Joey and says, man, you can't believe what Pastor... Right? Or someone runs to Pastor Andy and he's like, I can't believe what Pastor Joey... It's not helping. You got an issue with that pastor? Take him out for coffee. Make every effort. Do the hard work. But running to the other pastor ain't helping. And I've been there. And Pastor Joey and Pastor Randy, it's your job to go, I love that brother. I'm going to outdo one another in showing honor, and let's work together for the good of the kingdom. Amen, church? Now, I hope I'm not picking a scab. I don't even know, to be honest with you, but I'm just giving you, man, this is what it takes to love one another. And Dennis Brooks and Doug Hazel and Marty and Mr. Bobby and Rob and James and Mr. Dennis, you got to love one another. You guys are some of the leaders around here. I'm sure I'm not, I didn't name them all, but we got to love each other. First Peter chapter four verse eight says what? Anybody? It's not. I don't have it in your notes. Not on the screen. Love covers a multitude of what? Even when we've offended one another, love covers that. I'm going to tell you something. I uh, I sit on the other end now of two churches coming together. And 18 or 19 years into it, I, I'm shocked at what God can do when a group of people understand the gospel, and because of the gospel, they choose, let love cover a multitude of sins, and they choose to love one another. Amen? I want that for Coastal Deer Park. We are just seeing the tip of the iceberg of how God is going to use you guys to influence the community and even the world for the good of the gospel if we'll love one another. And I'll skip through the next two points just so you see them, right? Paul said, man, we leave revenge to God and we love our enemies. I, um, I got to celebrate my 25th wedding anniversary this year and um, nobody cares. So, uh, <clears throat> thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm going to tell you something. Um, one of the beauties of marriage I always tell my wife, you're the hardest person to preach to because you know I'm a phony. Now, I don't think I mean by that. I don't mean I'm disqualified like Timothy 3 disqualified, but she knows I'm a sinful guy. And to be fully known like my wife knows me and to be fully loved is an amazing thing. Amen, those of you who've been married a long time? All right, that person loves you. They choose to love you. I told somebody the other day, I said, my wife now chooses to love me just to worship Jesus. Jesus told her to, told her to love me, and that's what she does, all right? So it's an act of worship to Jesus. Uh, but to be fully known and to be fully loved is a remarkable thing. That's what God in Christ has done for you. God loved us first. And so in Christ, that love is unshakable. And because God is in us through the power and the working of the Holy Spirit, we are to be people that love one another. And in fact, the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us as believers. And one, the fruit of the Spirit, the very first one, is what? Love. We're to love each other. And so core value coastal. Do the most loving thing. Why? Because people matter to God and God is love. Let's reflect that in our church body. I think we are. I think we are. Okay. I'm seeing good things happening here. 
But let's make the, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And in that, man, in John 17, the whole world will know who Christ is when we love one another. Amen? Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And, uh, man, I've been, I've been humbled this morning um, in preparation, reminding my own heart to, to love. The times I need to die to myself and, and love others. And, God, we want to be a place of love, not apart from truth by any means, but we want to be a place of love so that Christ can be made famous, so that, so that when people come into our church world, our influence, our corporate worship, and they, they see the overflow of love, man, they will say, man, why, do you, why does this church outdo one another and showing honor to one another? And we'll say, well, it's because we have been infinitely incredibly and eternally loved by God in Christ, and we want to introduce you to your Savior and our Savior, God's Son, Jesus Christ, that the world may say something's different there, and the overflow would be love. We give you thanksgiving. We give you praise for the gospel. We ask you to mold us more and more into your character and into your image that we would be a people of love. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Do I invite the worship team up? Oh, they're here. All right. We're going to go out singing this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Sing. Beginning with no fate I dread.